0: most gracious Heavenly Father. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your house this morning to worship you, to lift you up, to praise your name, God. We thank you that we can do so in freedom. Lord God, we lift this hour up to you right now, asking that you would bless it, asking that we would be edified through it, and that we would glorify you. Lord God, I pray for this ministry. We thank you for this ministry, Lord God, particularly as we recognize and and show light on the Northwest Christian Academy this morning, God. Thank you for what a rock that ministry has been in this place. We pray now that you would bless and be with this service. We thank you for the longevity that we've been able to enjoy. And we know that it is all because of you, Lord God, and your sustaining power. Lord God, we pray now that you'd be with the music. We pray that you'd be with uh, our head of school, Mr. Nelson, as he comes, that everything would be done to honor and glorify you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your son, in whose name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning, church. We're getting set here as our screen comes down. We welcome you to NCA Day at Northwest Baptist Church. Love. His soul.
2: morning. Come on, this is the day that the Lord has made. Good morning. morning. All right, that's what I like to hear. I want to welcome you to the Northwest Baptist Church. This is our NCA Day Northwest Christian Academy. So we also have some visitors from our school and I also want to welcome you as well. We've got a couple of things coming out. If you are a visitor, we do have connect cards in the seats. Please fill those out. We want to reach don't have a home church we definitely want to get connected with you so please fill those out you can put them in the offertory plates um if you want to join us we have a couple of fundraisers been been fundraising for costa rica so on tuesday march 21st we have our chick-fil-a night we invite you to take the flyers up there invite your friends your family the neighborhood everybody come have some dinner wednesday nights we're having our bible studies dinner starts at 5 30 Um, Come in, have some dinner, also stay for our Bible study. The pastor's doing a series, um, The Christian History Made Easy, so definitely come in and check that out. Teenagers, we got something for you, Be a Rhino with Dave, and also for our students, our younger elementary students, um, we've got hands-on worship. So there's something for everyone. On Saturdays, we got our men's ministry, so come on out, March 25th. Um, men come in, you know, God calls you to be a leader, so this is your opportunity. Come join a fellowship with other men. Um, fish fries is something that is starting on our Fridays that are going to be up and coming. It's fish fry and bingo. Come eat some good food, play some good games, hear Dave yell out bingo every now and then. <laughs> Easter Sunday is coming up. This, If there isn't any opportunity for you to invite someone to church Easter Sunday, help have them come and hear the gospel of what the Lord has done. So Easter Sunday, we have 9 a.m. breakfast. I mean, tempt them with free food. Breakfast in the morning, 9 a.m., 9.30. We have opportunities for our kids. They're going to be in Sunday school. They have an egg extravaganza for them. Um, So definitely have the students come out and then stay, of course, for our service. We We do need for that egg extravaganza. We need candy, 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 candy. Send your bills to the church for the dentals, but um, candy, candy, candy. No, don't do that. Susan's giving me a very scary look. <laughs> candy, please bring that in. It can't be done without you, so please bring in the candy. Um, there's a lot of upcoming things um, for that we need you to save the date, so you're gonna see them scrolling up behind me. You'll get more information on them, but please save the dates for these upcoming events. Now, as I mentioned, It is our NCA Day, and we just want to take a time to acknowledge some of the people who have been somehow touched by NCA. So, if you are a student at NCA, please rise. A student, any current students? If you are an alum of NCA, please rise. Alum, okay. If you, that's my sister over there. (laughs) If you, are a parent of a student and/or alum, please rise. If you work in, uh, have have worked, or and/or currently work for um, NCA, please rise. So, needless to say, a good chunk of our ministry has somehow been touched by NCA. Thank you. No, it is our registration time. Please invite someone to come and give us a call. Um, We we know this ministry, this school ministry is a big part of our church ministry, and um, we need your help. So please, once again, continue to invite people to both our church and school. Thank you. time together we thank you for this um, amazing ministry that we have this church and school this opportunity to be a light in this community Lord God we just are grateful that you have chosen us I ask that you continue to bless us Um, we realize that nothing can be done without support from our constituents Um, during this time Lord God make you touch everyone Lord God and just um, ask them to give from their hearts Lord God I thank you for this opportunity Um, bless our message in Jesus I pray amen
1: Thank you.
3: For just a few minutes, I would like to share a little bit with you of the heart that beats in our school ministry. I know my beginning story might be familiar to some of you, so please just bear with me. When I graduated college, I had big plans to move to New York City and live the dream, as they say. Pastor Summers Sr., however, asked me to come home instead and teach here in our middle school. Obviously I said no. The Big Apple was waiting for me. But then he said, as only he could, well, Tara, we have poured so much into you all. Why don't you just give us two years in return? <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that, he was a hard man to say no to. Well, it looks like he got the last laugh because I'm about to finish my 11th year here at NCA. Oh, you laugh, but that's not even the longest. Mrs. Davis, Mrs. Price, Mrs. Howell, Erica, UCAT, Jerry, I could go on, Kathleen, naming the people who have committed their lives to our school ministry. But the point of me sharing that anecdote is this. People do not stay in a place unless it is a place worth staying for. Because at the end of the day, our faculty and staff know what really Yes, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and all that other stuff in between are very important. And we work very hard to give our students every opportunity to excel in their learnings. But when all is said and done, all of that stuff, grades, and GPAs, all of it is temporal. And like everything else man-made around us, it will fade like the flowers in the field. What really matters is whether or not our eyes are of our faith, that is what will count for eternity. And if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then we can begin to understand the weight of Mark ten forty-five, the kind of unofficial verse of our program. This verse tells us that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And as we begin to understand that, how can we not respond in kind? Which brings me to our student leader model, our expected student outcomes here at NCA. These core values are the heart of what we teach and what we hope our students walk away with when they cross that graduation stage. Values they would want to exemplify because of what God has done for them. Here they are in brief. Christian witness, to pursue personal holiness, To love God and neighbor. To demonstrate the attributes of the fruit of the spirit. To be forgiving and compassionate and merciful. Service. To give of themselves as their savior did. To invest in and meet the needs of others. Vision. Like Nehemiah. To cast a vision for positive change. Probably in the midst of great adversity. And thus to create inroads for the gospel. Collaboration. To not lord over others or gossip about others. But rather to work with others the truth and love, and stewardship, to use the gifts God has given them, not to to please men or earn the praise of men, but to glorify God and for his kingdom work. So I mentioned earlier that this is my 11th year here, and that seems like a long time, believe me, but the truth is our faculty and staff may not and probably will not be here forever, but that's okay. Because the success of God's work does not rest on the backs of one or two or 15 or 20 people. He doesn't need any of us behind those classroom or office doors. Because if it is his work, he will sustain it. And he will sustain it through his means, his church, his beautiful church. This is a place worth staying for. And I hope that you will consider praying for and supporting our school ministry And I mean this when I say this truly precious gift that God has given to this community, to our students, and their families, and to all of us.
1: start Sing it out, church. You may be seated.
4: Good morning, church. Good morning. Man, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Man, Drew, I don't know how you get up here after singing a song service and preach a sermon. I mean, your heart is just so full when you're reflecting on those words. It's just like, what can I say after singing those songs? And, and Kathleen, thank you so much. I mean, excellent, excellent. Always right on the money with the song uh, Choices. Um, you know, hear the call of the kingdom. I just want to let you know, John, I almost came up here and grabbed the bass from you. <laughs> I was like, man, that, that, I love that groove, man. I got to get me some of that in my life, right? I just want to let you know, when I'm up here playing, that's me worshiping. I'm worshiping while I'm up here playing. <laughs> well, um, thank you, uh, Andrew, uh, for giving me the opportunity uh, to share this message. Um, man, I love God's word. Um, my, my faculty knows whenever they come in my office and, and ask me just to sign a requisition, it turns into a Bible study. <laughs> It really does. Right, Kathleen? Yeah. Um, I'm convinced that one of the lost spiritual gifts is long-windedness. Um, my counterpart, Andrew, and I share, share that gift together. Yes, we do. We know how to turn a question into a long, lengthy Bible study. <laughs> and yes, now this is true. And in fact, when Andrew says to me, hey, Jerry, you got a sec? It's never going to be a second. It usually turns into maybe about 45 minutes, and then the conversation continues, maybe five, continues throughout the week. That's exactly what happened this week, right? This is NCA Day, so my, my message obviously is centered around um, what our goal here is at NCA. And I want you to bear with me for a second, because my, my message is really a manifesto. And it's a manifesto that's lifted directly from the word of God. This message is dedicated to all of our constituents, faculty, staff, students, parents, alum, our community support systems of Northwest. But particularly, this is dedicated to our students. At NCA, we have a vision to produce Christian thinkers, communicators, and servant leaders as we believe this is the biblical mandate outlined in the Great Commission based on Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Because we do not want to be mere hearers of the word, or worse, craft a non-binding vision and mission statement that rolls nicely off the tongue, but lacks the teeth to govern our decision making or our actions, this vision is rather the end result that we hope to see manifest in all of our students when they graduate from Northwest And then 17 years, when they come back, we want to see those same qualities manifest in them. Our model is Christian education for world change. I want to change my world. I don't want to sit on the sidelines, and those who know me best, I'm probably as intense as they come. I'm really a no-nonsense person. I don't like fluff. Let's just get the job done. Get out of my way. Don't, Don't stop me. You know why? Because I believe that we can change our world. I want to change my world, and this is not mere words play for me. This is not some fancy thing. I believe that the message of Jesus Christ is the most powerful and life-changing message. It's the most powerful thing that we can take and give to someone. Dependency, total dependency on Jesus Christ. I believe that. Yes, our desire is to fulfill the Great Commission. Our vision, mission, and core values reflect that. And while the propagation of a vision statement is important, it's more important that we take the necessary steps to see that vision fulfilled. And what's our vision? At the end of the day, when our kids come back and they're 35 years old, I want to be able to say what it says in Ephesians, that they put off their formal ways. That sinful nature. And that they pursue righteousness and holiness in God. And that they've taken on the mind of Christ. Because when we take on the mind of Christ in conformity to Jesus Christ, man, what can really stop us from changing our world? The question I asked myself in this pursuit of this mission statement was how intentional was I being as the head of school? And I believe we we have been intentional at Northwest in trying to develop students in the image of Christ But when I started to study the words of God, and I started to look at the testimony of scripture through the gospel, I realized that I was patterning my life after after a mere caricature of who Christ was. And if you know what a caricature is, think cartoon. It's somebody else's image of what this person is. It's not the real picture. As I see things now, if we want to produce student leaders, which is just another way of saying that we want all of our constituents to be like Christ, then the only image we need to have continually in front of us is Jesus Christ as defined by scripture, not defined by our culture, not defined by where we came from, not defined by our ethnicity. Not defined by our presuppositions, but clearly defined by scripture. Man, I am just, g- give me a second here. I'm about to go to bat for you. I'm hitting clean up. <laughs> I want to ask you a couple of questions. Just, just reflect with me here for a second. I'm getting away from my message, so <laughs> I kind of anticipated that. If you were convicted of a crime. You knew you did it. They had the video evidence. They had all 10 fingerprints and your toes, all the evidence. They had infrared, wide angle. They had you on Facebook. There were 20 people with Snapchat and Facebook. They were streaming Facebook Live, and they knew a face you recognition. They knew it was you, and you knew you did it, and they put you on trial. And just as the sentence is about to come out, somebody bursts in the courtroom and says, listen, hey, judge, listen, I know he's been convicted, but whatever crime that he has done, I want you to, whatever sentence you're going to levy against him, I want you to give it right to me. If it's death, I'll take it. Let me ask you a question. Would you take that deal or not? You, that, the guy bursts into the, cl- to the, uh, the courtroom and says, listen, I want that person to go free and I'll take the punishment for him. Would you take that deal? Let me ask you a question. Does it matter what the color of his skin is? Then we need to get off of it. It does not matter. What matters is someone took our place. And we have a responsibility as believers to carry that same message into the world. And if you want to know what we're all about here at NCA about training those kids to do that very same thing. So again, the question I asked myself was, how intentional was I being about this? This study that I'm going to share with you guys this morning, I've been doing over an eight-month period, and it's been a study specifically in the book of Mark. So at my time of writing, I, I believe at Northwest, we were really doing an excellent job of of really reestablishing trust with our community because I felt like that that was one thing that was lacking. Rebuilding the foundation with our constituents and while I believe that we were building a culture of trust I wasn't too sure if all of our constituents really conformed their entire life to Jesus Christ. I, I wasn't too sure. What is a culture of conforming to Christ it's a culture of unwaver, unwavering trust in the ability of Jesus Christ to meet our daily needs as we seek the advancement and glorification of his kingdom ladies and gentlemen let me tell you there's nothing else that really matters while we're here on earth especially if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior there's nothing else that really matters other than the advancement of his kingdom what else is what what are we still doing here If we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we know that this life is not our final destination, then why did he leave us here? He left us here for one reason, and that's to take the message that we receive and take it out into the world with all boldness and all power. There's nothing else that really matters. I remember hearing, I I always get this wrong, but I'm going to try it again. Pastor Summers would say the way of the world is what? Get all you can, can all you can get? All right, so you guys got it. No. In God's kingdom, get all you can from Jesus Christ and give it all away. I'm one of those who were raised in a Christian home, went to a Christian school. I'm the head of a Christian school now, the very one that I graduated from. I don't get around much, do I? By the way, this is the only place I've gotten a paycheck from. Yes. Now, talk about Andrew and I having history of working together. Yes, we were two sophomores uh, doing summer camp together. Can you imagine that? Yes, it was a riot. We played video games all day long. <laughs> However, I realize that I've had many great mentors and examples over the years who have led me to the well of the living water. I've sipped, tasted, maybe even washed my face in it. I know the goodness of the living water, but not until recently i bathed in it. Not until I had my own encounter with the risen Savior through the reading of his word have I understood. My mentors, although great men and women, were not Jesus. While their knowledge clearly exceeds mine, they did not possess the words of life. Only Jesus does. And as I began to study not only the words and commands of Christ, but the way he interacted, his emotions, his passion, his fierceness, did I begin to see clearly who I was predestined to be. What I came to realize is that I was seeing my Savior through the eyes of the world and not through the eyes of Scripture. I realized that I'm responsible for my soul, no one else is, I'm the one who has to give an account to Jesus Christ, not the people who raised me. I have to give a personal account. The same is true with the way that we all live for Jesus Christ. Yes, there's one spirit, but many parts, and those many parts must give an account for how they've used their gifts that Christ has apportioned to them. As faithful stewards, as Timothy says, as soldiers, we must obey the voice of our master and our commander. The only way that we can do this is to study with great intensity the pattern of his life. The great J.C. Ryle says this in his landmark treatise on holiness. He says, "If it would be well if professing Christians in modern days studied the four gospels more than they do. No doubt all scripture is profitable. It is not wise to exalt one part of the Bible at the expense of another. This is J.C. Rowls continuing to speak. He says, but I think it would be good for some who are very familiar with the epistles if they know a little more about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He continues. He says, now, why do I say this? I say this because I want professing Christians to know more about Christ. It is well to be acquainted with the doctrines and principles of Christianity. It is better to be acquainted with Christ himself. It is well to be familiar with faith and grace and justification and sanctification. They all matter pertaining to the king, but it's far better to be familiar with Jesus himself. To see the king's own face and to behold his beauty, this is one secret of imminent holiness. He that would be conformed to Christ's image and become a Christ-like man must be constantly studying Christ himself. End quote. So what's my point? I believe the missing link to Northwest Christian Academy, and for the most part, and, and just to let you know, our, our mission statement is that we support the local church. That's our mission statement. So for Northwest, when Northwest Christian does its job effectively, it strengthens the church. It does. Guess what? I'm a graduate of Northwest. Andrews, a graduate of Northwest. We have several other graduates of Northwest. I consider it a privilege to be at the forefront of being able to strengthen the church. When Northwest does its job, the entire church is strengthened. I want Northwest and all of its constituents, students, teachers, alum, community stakeholders, To conform their life to Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, that's when we really experience that resurrection power. Do we not believe that we can change our environment? I do. And so today I want to present seven, what I believe, foundational stones of what it means to be a servant leader. Seven foundational stones. Number one, we want to recognize authority number two we have to follow him and answer the call number three we have to leave behind our agendas number four become a servant number five embrace the difficulty of servanthood number six seek greatness through service and number seven train new servants so I want us to think of these as as foundational stones one set on top of another And the foundation stone being foundation number one. And this is the recognition of Christ's authority. Or if you're into logic, think of it as a syllogism, right? One statement is based on the statement that came before it. So our first foundational stone, if we are to be these world changers, is number one, we have to recognize Christ's authority. I want us to think for a moment about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It's sandwiched between two amazing statements. The Bible says Jesus Christ, after he had had risen, he stayed on the earth. We know this based on the testimony of Acts. He was on the earth for 40 days. He had appeared to the disciples for three times. Uh, Paul tells us in Corinthians that he appeared to 500 people at one time. He leads them out to the Mount of Olives, and he delivers this commission that we call the Great Commission. And what does he say? His, the first words out of his mouth is what? All power and authority has been given to me. That's what Christ says. And then he says that, he says what? Therefore, go now. That's that foundational stone right there. Christ has all authority. Let me break it down for you. It simply means that whatever Christ has commanded you to do, he's, given you, he's already given you the power to do it. All you got to do is step out on faith and do it. The key verse here is Mark 2:10. He says, "But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins." I want you to think about that. But back to my my verse, Great Commission. He says, "Therefore go, make disciples." That's the primary verb there. He says, how do you make disciples? You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We observed that ordinance this morning. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. That's why our school exists. And what does he say? While you're going out doing what I've asked you to do, going with that power, I am never going to leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is saying I'm not promising that everything is going to be great. I'm not promising that you're going to get rich. That you're going to be healthy and you're going to be thin. He says, but I'm promising you that when you go in the power that I've given you, that I am never going to leave you. Do we believe that this morning? My question for you is, who is this Jesus Christ? And why should we follow him? Jesus taught with authority and he demonstrated this authority in the power he displayed over sickness. He displayed power over nature. He displayed power over demonic forces, and he displayed power over death. Is that not the Jesus that we serve? How did he display power over sickness? There is nothing, and I I love Mark's presentation. Mark does an excellent job of of selecting exactly what needs to be. I like Mark. You know, Mark, Mark got his information, we believe, from Peter. And Peter was no nonsense, no fluff. But when you look at Mark's presentation of Jesus' power, I I think this is amazing. Just kind of bear with me for a moment. Mark records that Jesus Christ had power over the common illness, right? Remember when he healed, I believe it was Peter's mother? Fever. A fever. Jesus has power over that. Jesus has power over skin disease, leprosy. Jesus has power over our legs and feet. Did he not heal a crippled man? Jesus has power over the illnesses of our hands. He healed a man with a shriveled hand. Jesus has power over any internal illnesses, those chronic illnesses that we have. How do I know that? He healed a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. The Bible, what does the Bible tell us about this woman? She had spent all of her money, went to many doctors, and they couldn't figure out exactly what happened. And she was so desperate that she was she pushed up against the cl- crowd. She's like, I got to get to this guy who I've heard has power. And what does the scripture tell us? Touch the cloak and she was immediately healed. And and I love what how it's recorded. Jesus immediately felt the power go from him. Jesus has power over speech and hearing. Did he not heal heal the the deaf person and the mute person? Did he not? He has power over the eyes. He healed the blind. He healed, According to Mark, he two blind, blind people. Skin, legs and feet, hands, internal de- chronic illnesses, common illnesses, eyes. Jesus Christ has power over sickness and disease. Jesus Christ has power over n- nature and natural forces. Did not Jesus come to see? Jesus can feed us when we need it, right? When we think that we don't have any food or nothing's left. Guess what? Jesus has the power to turn a little bit into a lot. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. And I love the exchange. Man, I'm just telling you, Jesus is my hero. I'm just letting you guys know that. I know that sounds corny, and that's probably not something that we'll put on a shirt, but I'm serious. I love Jesus. I, I, I love the way he interacted with the disciples. I mean, this is one of my favorite stories. You know, I mean, and, and let me tell the story really quickly. I, I love it. You know, Jesus is sitting with the disciples and Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus and like, man, these people have been following you all day. They're really hungry. And then here's what Jesus says. He's like, well, why don't you feed them? And then one of the disciples was like, uh, Jesus, you know, that would take like half a year's wages, half a year's wages. And I'm sure at that point in time, Jesus rolled his eyes and was just like, really, man? Didn't you see what I just did before? What Jesus was trying to teach them is, listen, I demonstrated my power to you before. I just walked on water. And I'm telling you to feed them. I'm giving you a command. Go and do it. But we see in that moment that the disciples just, they just didn't get it. Jesus Christ walked on water and he withered the fig tree. Jesus Christ has power over demonic forces, evil. He told the disciples, listen, when you start hearing about all these things that's going on in the world, don't get alarmed. These things are supposed to happen. Why are you worrying about it? I mean, the worst thing that could have happened to us is push notifications. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. When those little notices from CNN pop on your phone... You get all nervous. Oh, what, what, what Trump done said today. <laughs> we get all nervous. And yeah, the world's coming to an end. I got to pick on my mom for a moment. My mom watches the Weather Channel. That's like the only channel that's on in the house. And my mom, every every morning I go, every, every Wednesday I go over there. I mean, you see like all the floods and the destruction and all of that stuff. It's just like, just just so much that... I mean, blizzards hitting, you got mudslides all over the place, people not getting fed. Man, thank God Jesus told us not to worry about all that stuff, right? The earth is moaning and groaning. It's a sign of the end times. But we should not worry because Jesus Christ has power over that as well. So if you see evil in the world, don't be alarmed but let me tell you the greatest thing that can dispel the darkness of evil is the light of Jesus Christ and you know what we used to sing a song here and in fact we had like a little uh, <clears throat> band ensemble when Mrs. Summers would play with us we, our, our, this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine right? when you go into your workplace and you hide your light under a bushel don't be mad when evil persists in that environment don't complain about it oh this, this is a bad environment what listen what are you doing about it what are you doing to make that environment better we retreat so much don't complain about how america is when we got a when we got a church i mean when i now i live very close like a mile and a half i pass 15 churches on my way I live on 151st. I passed 15 churches on 7th Avenue alone. On 22nd Avenue, there's 200 churches between 151st and not all of them are labeled. It's true. And you know, you know what's interesting? You want to talk about the light of Christ? I know we live in a free country. There's a church right here on this this end, liquor store on the other. And everywhere in between, you got you got some some Dirty magazine shop. So are we being alive? We can't complain about it. What are we doing about it? Number two. Well, oh, no, no, not number two. Go back. He has power over death. Boy, let me tell you. Let me ask you guys a question. Can any of you raise yourself from the dead? Do you really know what's on the other side? I'm gonna be honest with you. Now, I'm, I know many of you might say, "Well, yeah, I know. I know with 100 certainty that I'm gonna." Listen, none of us knows with 100 certainty what's gonna exactly happen when we got when we die. That's why we use the word hope, and that hope is based off of evidence. This isn't some blind hope. This hope is based off the evidence of the testimony of scriptures of the people who came before us. I don't have 100% certainty that I'm going to go to heaven. But I have good reason to believe that if I follow Jesus Christ based on the testimony of scriptures and the testimony of the witnesses who came before me, that when I die, I'm going to be in the bosom of my Lord and Savior. And it's because Jesus Christ demonstrated power over death I mean, it's, it's the one thing that we can't reverse. We can't stop it. No, no matter how much money we might spend on the doctor's, doctor note, no matter how much cardboard we eat, right? No matter how much we juice. No matter how much we go to LA Fitness, right, John? <laughs> we can't reverse this cycle. We can't. So then what? We need an eternal, eternal cure. <clears throat> and Jesus Christ demonstrated power over death and his resurrection. Number two, we have to follow him and we have to answer the call. <clears throat> then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So remember what I said, this is like a, a one big argument, one big syllogism, a, foundation, a stone built on top of another. If you want access to that same power that I just spoke of, guess what? There are conditions. And here's the conditions. You have to follow him. And he says, follow me. That's the primary command. And he says, here are the conditions. If you're going to follow me, if you want access to the power that I have, here's what you got to do. Number one, you got to deny yourself. That means it ain't all about you anymore. What does Paul tell us? He's like, you were a slave of righteousness. Excuse me, you were a slave of sin, but now you're what? You're a slave of righteousness. You're a bond servant. It doesn't stop. You served sin at one time, but guess what? Now you serve Christ. I love the parable that's told. I believe it's in Luke. Where it says, well, if, if a master calls someone to bring me a bowl, this is Jerry Nelson's interpretation. If a master calls someone to bring a bowl of soup, the master doesn't say to the servant, man, thank you, man, for bringing that bowl of soup, man. You know, man, you did such an awesome job. I love the form and the style in which you brought that soup to me. I mean, you exercise great balance. No, that's the servant's job. Why does the master need to say thank you for doing exactly what you're supposed to do? No, if we want access to the power, then we have to serve Christ. Number one, we have to deny ourselves. And then number two, we have to take up our cross. And this is a willing giving. What does the scriptures tell us about Jesus? Jesus laid down his life willingly. He was not forced. He did it for our sake. And we have to do that on a day-to-day basis. We've got to get out of this mode of looking for validation every time we do a good work. This is not a competition of who can do the most good works. We are obligated, direct obligation from our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Nobody owes you anything. We owe Christ everything, don't we? I'm so, (laughs) I'm getting on my soapbox. I'm so sick and tired of the complaining, man. I'm, I'm I'm so tired of it. Take take your take your elements to Jesus Christ. Take your concerns directly to Jesus Christ. But you know what? There's a whole lot of work to be done. Stop complaining about your schedule and why you can't do something. And when somebody comes and asks you to do something, why you can't do it and making a million excuses. It got to get done. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross killing those inclinations every single day. So my question to you is, do we want access to the power that Jesus Christ possesses? Number three, we have to leave our agendas behind. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. This is another example where I love Jesus Christ. Somebody says something to Jesus, and he just goes totally off script, right? So let me give you the context behind this this verse. Jesus is teaching, right? And someone comes and says, Jesus, Jesus, your family is outside. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge what the person said. And he turns this into a teaching moment. And he says, listen, whoever does the will of my father is my my brother, my sister, and my mother. What's Jesus' whole point? Oh, boy, I'm about to get up in your back pocket now. I might need an escort out here. Jesus is more concerned about spiritual kinship than your natural kinship. Why does Paul make the statement in Jesus Christ there's no Greek there's no Jew there's no slave there's no free there's no skintian why, why does he make that, that statement and before I complete that thought remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees that really angered them right Jesus says to the Pharisees he's like you think your father is Abraham he's like your father is the devil And why was he saying that? Because the, the, the check this out, the Pharisees tied their lineage to culture. Ooh, I might need an escort here. But Jesus says, you're more concerned about your natural relationships. I'm concerned about your spiritual relationships and spiritual relationships take priority over cultural ethnicity where you came from, relationships, does it not? Is that not what's in the Bible? Then we got to get off. Yes, I'm about to say it. We've got to get off this whole thing of whether Jesus was black or not. Jesus was a Jew. And in fact, he was Asian. You guys know that, right? That's Asia Minor? <laughs> that was Occidental. No, you guys didn't get that one either. Sorry, sorry. Occidental is, is a, not accidental, but Occidental is another way of describing people of Asian descent. I'll move on. Yeah, dry hum- humor only works with people. <laughs> sorry, stop. Anyways, no, it's true. Listen, a- as a Christian, my tie is directly to Jesus Christ. Directly to him. That's where I draw my strength from. That's what the scriptures teach. And he even says here in Matt. Mark ten twenty nine says, no one who has left home or brother or sister or mother or father or children are filled for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecution, and in the age to come eternal life. Let me explain that verse to you real quick. It's this simple. Christ is commanding you to leave behind the old self, the things that the world considers to be strong ties. That's why he says to the rich young ruler, go and sell your possessions. That's why he says to the person who says, hey, I need to go and bury my father. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Why does he say all of that? He says, listen, when you come to me and you deny all of that I'm going to give you millions of brothers and sisters and mothers and cousins I'm going to give it to you if your relationships with your, with your your natural mother and father are not great at home what, when you come to me and you deny yourself and you receive what I have I'm going to give you a church full of mothers and sisters and brothers that's the gospel is it not let me tell you what I know here I got a million, listen, a million mothers. I'm, I'm doing the pastor numbers, just inflating numbers, right? Listen, how, how many brothers and sisters do I have here? How many, how many cousins do I have here? Little brothers, big sisters, people who look out for us. This is the blessing right here because we've sacrificed it all for Jesus Christ. Leave your agendas behind and you will receive a blessing. Of the church and when the church as Andrew has been preaching when the church does its job it's an amazing blessing not only to its congregants but to the community number four we must become a servant well you guys not gonna like this that also means we have to serve the people we don't like we have to serve our enemies What does Jesus say on the Sermon on the Mount it's like man the pagans serve the people who they like what makes you so different It's hard to serve people you don't agree with. It's hard to serve people you don't like. It's absolutely difficult. And I am not here to say that I've mastered this at all. It's hard. But remember what I said, foundation stone number one. We have to recognize the authority and power of Jesus Christ. He has commanded us to do it, and because he has commanded us to do it, he's given us the power to do it. We have the power to love, do we not? We have the power to take this message of Jesus Christ into hostile territories and see change. We do. So I want you just for a moment to think about that person that you hate. Do you believe that being a servant to that individual in the manner in which Jesus Christ was, can change their life. Are you willing to go through the persecution? Are you willing to go through the pain of rejection? Are you willing to go through all of that? Because if you go through this world believing that that person that you hate is hopeless and you hope they go to hell, you don't understand the gospel. Romans 5. When we were enemies of God. When we were enemies, he loved us. We were God's enemies. You, you guys know what that means, right? Nothing to do with us. Do you do you love, naturally love an enemy? No. You 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 want them put as far, you want them put like in the core of the earth, not six feet under. You want them in the core of the earth, bring them back down, kick them out in space and rocket them to the sun, burn them up again, bring them back, and put them back in the core of the earth again. But let me tell you, when we learn to serve those people we don't like, that's when we really understand and we take on the mind of Christ. Number five, we have to embrace the difficulty of servanthood. He says, you must be on your guard you will be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues on account of me. You will stand before governors and kings. This is another account where Jesus, where somebody, one of the disciples says something to Jesus, and he starts going in another direction. Context behind this verse, the disciples are leaving the temples, and one of the disciples says, hey, teacher, what magnificent bi- buildings and stones. And then Jesus says, yeah, man, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a day where there's not, not one stone going to be left on top of another. The temple will be destroyed. And they went a little bit further, and they asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, when is all of this going to take place? And then he begins to tell them. He begins to give them the signs of the end times. But then he adds this last part. He's like, listen, yeah, with the signs of the end times, the wars and the rumors of wars and the famines, guess what's going to happen? For sake of me, guess what people are going to do? They're going to bring you before governors and kings because of the message that you carry. They're going to falsely accuse you. And they might even flog you. I want you to think about this for a moment. Who killed Jesus? It was his own people. It's repeated throughout the book of Acts. The, the, the disciples, the, the apostles at the time in the book of Acts were repeatedly, when they were stand before The the Sanhedrin and the synagogues, they would say, they would give the testimony of Jesus Christ and they would say, it's the person that you killed. Who gave Paul the 40 lashes minus one? It was his own countrymen. Where did he get flogged? In the synagogue. Are you recognizing a theme here? Some of the hardest people, some of the hardest people to convince of the power of Jesus Christ are religious people. And I use religious in quotation marks. People who tied their cultural identity and mingled it with their Christianity. I thank God that he warned us that this might happen. He warned the disciples. Persecution is going to come in many forms. It's going to come from our family. It's going to come from our closest friends. We don't even know. Think about Jesus in the garden. I mean, I couldn't imagine this. Lord's Supper or the Last Supper, Jesus says to to the disciples, you're the one who dips his... And in the cup is the one that's going to betray me. Disciples are looking around like, well, I hope it's not me. Looks over to Judas, and say, man, go and do what you need to do. Jesus knows what's about to happen. The chain of events to the passion of Christ is about to take place. And I want you to think about this for a second. He spent three and a half years with this man pouring into him. And on the night of his portrayal, here's what Judas does. Judas, uh, I mean, as I read it, Judas comes up to him and says, Rabbi, as a term of endearment. And what does the scripture say Judas does? He kisses Jesus on the cheek. Boy, let me tell you, man, et tu brute, man, right? Gets stabbed right in the back, and Judas wanted to act like it was nothing. Could you imagine being portrayed by someone that you spent you gave your life to pouring into them that's the ultimate betrayal and guess what Jesus Christ endured all the way to the cross embrace the difficulty of servanthood number six we have to seek greatness through service those of you who were raised in the 1990s you'll remember this song money power and respect keys to life Money, power, and respect. You'll be eating right. Money, power, respect. Money, power, and respect. That's the way of the world. But the way of Jesus Christ is giving. The way of Jesus Christ is subjection. The way of Jesus Christ is yielding. He says, whoever becomes the lowest will become the greatest. What are we chasing after, church? What are we chasing after? I mean, the scripture is very clear. These these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I'm challenging us to give. And this is not some mere giving. It's not, and, and let me tell you another story. This is straight out of scriptures. Remember what Jesus Christ said when he was sitting in the temple? He was watching everybody as they put the, they gave the offering, in the black churches back in the day, you know, everybody would kind of parade up, play some good music, nice bass line, right? Everybody would walk up, and the ushers on this side would get up, and everybody would bring their money to the front and put it in the plate. Then you'd do, the, do this section, and that, that group, they do this section, and they would put their money in. So it's kind of like that. Just kind of have that image in your, in your mind. And Jesus was kind of sitting back looking, and he sees that there are rich people who put in their money. Right, And then a widow came in, put in two pennies. And what does Jesus say? It's the widow who actually gave more. Oh, you're unconvinced? Let's do some math. All right, this is NCAA day, right? All right, so let's, let's take 10%, 10%, right? Let's say you make $2,000. So two th- 10% of $2,000, you just minus the zero is what? It's 200, right? So 200 minus 2,000 is you have about 1,800 left over, correct? All right. If I made 20,000, check this out. If I made 20,000 and I gave 10% of 20,000, how much is that? Okay, so check this out. What is 2,000 minus 20,000? 18,000. Now, this is a trick question, but think about it. Who gave more? Who gave? Who actually gave a higher percentage? It, it's Now, I want you to think about this. A person who makes only $2,000, guess what? The price of milk is still the same, is it not? For the person who makes $20,000, it's still the same. The price of gas is still the same. price of clothes is still the same. But guess what? The person who made the $20,000, did not give out of their poverty, but the person who made the two thousand did give out of their poverty, because two hundred dollars is a whole lot to people who don't have a whole lot. Is it not? And that's why Jesus Christ commends that. We ought to seek greatness through service and give to the end of our resources. And finally, number seven, the responsibility of a servant leader is to train new servants. Jesus says, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. He says, without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men and followed him. And in 2.14, it says, Jesus says to Levi, follow me. And the Bible says, Levi got up and followed him. And my last challenge as we close this morning is to those of us who've been in the faith for a long time. Are we willing to, like Christ did, intentionally pour our lives into others who did the same? I believe it's Timothy. I believe it is. He gives a command, or Paul gives a command to Timothy. He says what? young, Older women, train the younger women. Men, do your part. Train the younger men. How else is this message going to be translated? And this isn't some casual thing. No, we have to pour our lives into other people. And if you need any example of what what happens when one person pours their life into other people, all I ask you to do right now, and I say this in all humility, Look at who's leading your ministry now. The reason that we can stand up here with confidence is because one man decided in his busy schedule that he was going to dedicate three or more years of his time to making sure that we were prepared to lead when he left. It was intentional, you guys know the story and just like Jesus everybody had the opportunity to be a part of those those Sunday night classes everybody did. He says, "Listen, you guys can come." The call was broad. Some people decided to come, some people did not. But very few people stuck with it, did they? Very few. And because we stuck with it, he gave us opportunities. And let me tell you and I and, and again I say this with with humility you can get mad all you want to because we talk about him all the time and what he's done for us but I thank God for a man who invested his life in us And church if we if we're if we're upset about what's going on in our world you do your part too. It doesn't have to be everybody but find somebody pour into them Make sure that they're prepared to deal with the difficulty of life. Pastor Summers did not mince words with us. Let me tell you, you talk about somebody who, of course Andrew knows better than I, but I worked in the back office with him for years. No fluff. After he finished preaching his sermon on Sunday, he starts preaching his sermon on Monday. Literally. But let me tell you, as a Wet behind the ears, 23-year-old. They brought me into the back office along with Susan and said, we want you to be the administrator of the school. 23 years old. Would you trust a 23-year-old with something as serious as this? But let me tell you, they didn't give it to me right away. I had to earn it. I had to learn to follow. And little bit by little bit, They began to relinquish things to me as I proved myself. You don't give anything away immediately to people, but you got to put them on a plan. If you see potential in them, invest in them. Give them small opportunities and be patient. I thank you, Susan, Rudy, and all of you for your patience. As Andrew and I were talking about as a wrap-up here, and, and if you don't mind me sharing this, uh, it, it's a it's a point, but it's also a point of confession as well that I, I believe we share. Uh, being around pastor, he emboldened us. But we realized that once we got into the thick of our ministerial work, in a lot of ways, we were simply clanging gongs, not lack, lacking love. And working in ministry, it teaches you how to love. You can have all the apologetic knowledge and talk about ethics and talk about any range of subject. But without love, the gospel will not be transferred. Church, my challenge to you, Northwest constituents, is if we want to see world change, if we want to produce servant leaders, then we need to pattern our life after Jesus Christ recognize his authority, answer the call, follow him, subject our own agendas, become a servant, embrace the difficulty of servanthood, seek greatness through service, and lastly, train new leaders. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. This is not my word. I thank you for the rich, tradition that is here at Northwest of of faithful service. Lord, my my life is in, in every way an example of what happens when a church does its job. Father God, I ask that you empower us to continue translating this message that you've given us, Lord, empowering us, Lord, to be bold with this gospel message not worrying about what might happen to us, but being more concerned that more people hear your word. Help us to give to the end of our resources for your sake because we know we have the living hope today. Lord, that whatever we do here on this side, if we store up treasures in heaven, Lord, when we get there, it will be a place with no more weeping, no more gnashing of the teeth, Lord. And we can enjoy perfect harmony, perfect union, Lord, and a perfect rest. And we thank you so much, Jesus Christ, for your salvation that you've given us boldly, Lord. And help us to answer that call of the kingdom, Lord, and to follow faithfully after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Would you stand with us as we go? Christ. How deep and long, how far and wide. As you leave, may you seek to win the prize and find his death to be your life. May you go in the love of your Father God. May you go in the grace of Christ. May you go in the power of the Spirit. His very strength for what's to come. As you leave, may you feel His mighty hand guiding your steps in the race you run. May you go in the love of your Father God. May you go in the grace of Christ. May you go in the power of the Spirit. As you go, may you show us heart to bless the ones with less, the blind and lost. As you leave, may you be the light of Christ and show our hope. chapter 1, verse 24 through 25 says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's sing that chorus. May you go in the love of your Father God. May you go in the grace of Christ. May you go in the power of the Spirit now. Bring Him glory with your life.
3: Amen. Let's pray together. Father, what a joy it's been to be in your
4: house this morning. Let us go now as we leave these doors. May your power go with us as we become witnesses for you this
3: week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.